It's been such a great week with Prelude to Revival, and I've I expressed that I've never felt so encouraged spiritually and, and so broken physically at the same time. Uh, I've been, the last couple of months, I've been struggling with uh, a variety of medical things that mess me up, uh, that make it very difficult to preach, of all things, and function in life. Uh, I never thought I'd be up here before you, uh, trying to hold balance. Uh, I got things on my wrist, I got medicine in my pocket, uh, I'm Dressing like I normally don't dress. I'm wearing tennis shoes. I don't usually preach in tennis shoes. I'd, I'd like to say that Nike's my sponsor, but they're not. They help me keep balance. So let's just make a, a, an agreement right here. If I fall down, I'm not going to die yet, right? People fall down in football all the time. It's okay. So if I fall over, agree right now. It's, say it's okay to fall. It's okay to fall. All right. I feel so much better now. I feel like I can just preach. So... so. Got your permission to fall over. It's great. This week's been unbelievable. And maybe you've been so encouraged spiritually when you've been broken, maybe physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, I praise God for all the people that have led us in worship. I mean, we've had 12 different preachers preach. Are you kidding me? It's so encouraging. All the prayer. Uh, praise God for the child care workers that made child care available. It's, it's just, yeah. And we're not done. We got. Two o'clock today, we've got baptism. We're going to keep going. Uh, we want to just, just keep going what God has started. And for day, today, we want to look what it looked like in the early church after God visited them with a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe that's what God has done this week. He's visited us with a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to look in the Bible at a time where God visited the early church with a powerful move of the Holy Spirit and what happened next. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Does that sound familiar? Acts 2. All of our morning sessions this week have been from Acts 2, the very last passage in verses 42 through 47. Acts 2 portrays the day of Pentecost where Jesus, or Peter preached the gospel of Jesus to Jews from all around the world, and about 3,000 people repented of their sin and were baptized. That should shock you. The book of Acts starts out with 120 believers. Peter preaches. 3,000 believers. This is massive church growth and revival. There are enough new believers here to, to make up a small town. And the question is, what happens next? Let's stand, and I'm going to read it to you. Come on, let's stand up. I'm going to read this to you. Acts 2, 42-47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. Even though this is a description of what happened in the early church, I think it's clear from the rest of the New Testament that when God changes lives, this is often what it looks like. I mean, when you read this, you may think, wow, that is radical, right? It looks so radical to us. But get this, for the early church, this is normal. This is the normal way to function in church. 
And some of their, their practices may strike us as extreme and radical, but for them, it was normal. And what I'm hoping for in our church is that the normal, you ready for this? That the normal of the early church, which is often we say is so radical, would become the normal for us. Does that sound like a good idea? The normal, the normal in the New Testament would be normal for us where we wouldn't say, what's so radical? No, normal. Acts 2.42, let's go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Not only were they devoted to Jesus, but they were also devoted to his church. They were all in, devoted to Jesus, and all in, devoted to the church. Are you ready for this? The, the biblical reality of the early church is devotion to Jesus and devotion to his church. The biblical reality of the early church is devotion to Jesus and devotion to his church. You cannot say you're devoted to Jesus and not be devoted to his church because that is his bride. That is his bride. So I want to emphasize, reemphasize, and overemphasize this point. The biblical reality of the early church is devotion to Jesus and devotion to his church. If God has done great things in your life this week, it's not about your own individualized spirituality. You are a part of a body of Christ. And we all need to move in the same direction devoted to Jesus and to one another. And it may seem radical, but once again, it's supposed to be normal. Before I go any further, I'm going to do a little poll here, okay? Because what we see in this passage is a variety of acti activities uh, that the early church did. And many of you have grown up in, in Christian churches, right? And you, your church had a certain tradition that was emphasized probably more than others that is represented in this passage. So I'm going to do a little poll for those of you who grew up in a church. Maybe some of you just got saved later in life. But for those of you who grew up in church, I want to see your hands, okay? Uh, as we go through these descriptions real quick, and the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to, want to give out a word of concerning balance, all right? All right? I'll talk about balance in a second, all right? Those of you who went to churches that were really into teaching doctrine, teaching the Bible, it was a solid Bible-teaching church, raise your hand. They're really about that. That's what they're about, all right? A lot of you. Those of you who grew up in churches that really emphasized, they were part of a denomination that really, I mean, just Big, the big thing was emphasizing social justice. Let me see your hands. Yep, some of you? Yeah? All right. How about for those of you who grew up in, in charismatic churches? I mean, signs and wonders, speaking and telling, all that. Come on. Yep, yep. All right. What about for those of you who grew up or, or are a part of, or have been a part of a, a church that's more, let's say this, really heavy on fellowship to the point that they are communal in nature? I know there's some of you. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a moment. Some of our members have lived in community, like lived in community with the other church, people in their church. And, and lastly, let, let me see uh, uh, the hands of people who, who grew up in evangelistic, mission-minded churches, altar call every Sunday. Come on now. Yeah, a lot of you. Different traditions, right, represented here. And, and, and the reason why I'm talking about the word uh, balance is because of this. Wouldn't it be cool to be a part of a church where the goal is to emphasize all these things? Oh, that'd be great! Let's emphasize all of them. One of my favorite singers, the late great singer Rich Mullins. Anybody like him? Anybody? Oh, come on now. All right. He said that as he traveled the world, he noticed 
that believers in different parts of the world underlined different verses. <laughs> he found that uh, the believers in America were all about underlining the born-again verses. That's what I know about born-again verses. And then he would travel to the persecuted church, and they're underlining <laughs> verses about, let's stand firm and we're going to die for Christ. They're under, you got those verses underlined? <laughs> right. So, and, and he says as he traveled the world, he, he realized that if he put all of the Bibles together in the world, then everything would be underlined. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. That's what we're talking about, to take the diversity of traditions as best as we can and put it all together and say, let's, by God's grace, take it all and move in this direction. By God's grace, we can keep going with that trajectory as fast as we can. So let's, let's investigate the breakdown of these, these parts of the early church by looking at five descriptions, five descriptions and characteristics of the normal, normal Christian life. Not radical, but normal. Number one, let's look at verse 42 and see this apostolic teaching. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching would be the apostles teaching the new believers in biblical truth. The apostolic teaching was centered on Christ and all that he taught and did with the rest of the Bible that is fulfilled in them. And the core of this apostolic teaching has been handed down to us in the Bible. We want to be people who are about the Word of God. We, we, we in a sense, have sprung out of the Protestant Reformation, which we celebrate this year, 500 years ago, that emphasized the importance of the Word of God for every believer. And many of you have grown up in churches like this, and this is one of those churches. We are called Evanston Bible Fellowship. Bible. We want to be about teaching and preaching the Bible. To those of you who go here, that doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Sure, great, we're going to preach the Bible. That's what we do. To most of the world, preaching and believing the Bible, even among many so-called Christians, is radical. No one is going to confront you for being devoted to God. But when you say that you're devoted to God and his word, that kind of crosses some lines. You can do your own a la carte, create your own life, spirituality. But when you say you're devoted to God's word, th that's, that's something entirely different. And people say, well, that's so radical. But why would you ever separate God from his word? It was never meant to be done. God reveals who he is through his word. And so when you're a la carte and picking and choosing, cutting out parts of your Bible, scratching out parts you don't like, then you are cutting yourself away from God. You're creating God in your own image. Consider some of these words of Jesus, right? These are, these are fun ones. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for my sake will find it. In God's word, we are seeing that Jesus is calling people to abandon their lives to the point of death, sacrificial obedience in all areas of your life. And many will say, that is taking this religious stuff too far. It's too radical. Where you're going to follow Jesus all the way to your death, and whatever he says, you're going to say, you are Lord, not me. You are Lord, not me. 
way too far. And what we say back to that is, this is not radical. It is normal. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are also devoted to God's word. And that's what the early church is doing. God stirred them up, saved 3,000. They're devoted to the word. Look what else they're devoted to. Look, look at that. Keep going in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. We're called Evanston Bible Fellowship. Fellowship is the word koinonia, and it means participation. Participation in one another's joys, sufferings, and hardship. Participating in doing the work, the work of the Lord together. Now, now some of you, they're, they're, they're members of our church who used to be part of a communal living communities. Do you know that in our church? Like the Christians, they live in community fellowship so deeply, they would live together uh, with other believers in the church. And there are some who are even part of some, uh, something called Jesus, um, the Jesus people. Anybody here right now, part of the Jesus people back in the day? There, there used to be some members of our church. And what they would say about fellowship, they would say, many are called, but few can stand it. You get that concept? Fellowship is messy. When we enter the messiness, we realize that we are messy too, and we all need the grace of God. And though we here may not be living in this communal fellowship, um, we want our fellowship still to be radical. This body of Christ is your family. If you've come here, uh, let's say, and you, had to, you have a, 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 your father who wasn't really in your life, he didn't really guide you, he didn't really encourage you, there are spiritual fathers here for you. My wife and I have found so much family support from our family over the years here at Evanston Bible Fellowship. This is supposed to be your family. And one of the primary ways that this plays itself out is in our ethos communities. Our ethos communities are designed to care for you. One of the things that just, just really kills me is when someone says, I was sick. And no one in the church came to visit me. And I'll say, what ethos community are you in? Well, I'm not in one. Someone will say, I had a baby, and no one brought us meals. What ethos community are you in? We're not in one. We're not just here for Sunday morning. We're for community throughout the week, the fellowship, participation. And you've got to be in an ethos community. That is the way the primary expression is of our participation. And our fellowship. We want to devote ourselves to teaching and to fellowship. Well, keep going, keep going. We also want to be about prayer and miracles. Keep going. To the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It's debatable whether this breaking of bread refers to communion or to meals in general. Either way, Christ is central. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to lump these meals under the former fellowship. And I'm also going to take prayers, which I think I'm going, to, I'm going to switch it under this, prayers and miracles. I'm going to basically say the early church was a praying church. They cried out to God with all types of thanksgiving and requests. And it seems like if I'm reading the New Testament right, when they prayed, they prayed for God to work in mighty and powerful ways, and then God did. Verse 43 again. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
Miracles were happening. It's been argued that these signs and wonders, that God did powerful uh, miracles uh, in clusters. So if you read in in the Bible, you'll see that, that God did some great things through Moses, miracles in clusters, Elijah, Miracles and clusters, Jesus and clusters, and apostles in his clusters. And, and I understand that, and I read the New Testament, and I understand that maybe not as many miracles are going to happen today. But, but I do want to say this. When you're, when you're sharing the gospel, when you're preaching the word, it's okay to pray for this stuff to happen. It's, also to pr- it's okay to pray for, for miracles to happen. For God, of course, the greatest conversion is God opening minds and hearts, but you never know what God's going to do when you start praying and sharing the gospel. And I think there's some connection there by a church that is, a, that is intentionally sharing the gospel faithfully, praying for God to move in miraculous ways where people will get saved, and, and you might start seeing people get healed. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be opposed to miracles, and, and I, I want us to be more charismatic in our midst. And I know we like to say we're charismatics with seatbelts on, but let's unbuckle that seatbelt a little bit and branch out some, all right? So how can we do this? Now, here, here's the deal. When I talk about us being more of a prayerful church and Everybody always thinks, okay, we got we to start, start a prayer group, a prayer group. Nothing has frustrated more in the 20 years of ministry than prayer groups. Because it's always a faithful two or three who show up, and the whole prayer meeting is about rebuking the rest of the congregation who did not show up. <laughs> Anybody ever part of that prayer group? Yeah. We're not going to do that. I've tried it too many times. No more of that. I want this prayer to happen in your ethos communities. These are the people that you know. You know what, what's going on in their lives. When we get together in our ethos communities, the guys and the girls, they're sharing serious problems. And you, you know what? A lot of the problems they're sharing need a miracle. No joke. need God to break through with a miracle. And I want to see more of this praying in our ethos communities where we're gathering together, asking God to do big things in our lives, in our church, and in our city. So they're devoted to praying as well, but also to the fourth thing is fulfilling of needs. Verse 44. And all who were t- believed were together and had all things in common. <laughs> you cannot talk about how you are all in, in community as long as you leave your money out of the conversation. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Money? No, you can't touch my money. You can't have that. But they were together. If you look at verse 45, you're not going to believe what it says. It says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In the margin, you should write out in your Bible or even the one that you borrowed today, (laughs) write the word normal. (laughs) Normal. Not radical, but normal. It wasn't mandatory. They weren't forced to do it. It's an overflow of love. Someone is in need, and they responded in love. Normal. Now let's do some maneuvering here. Jump to chapter 4. See if you can do that. Chapter 4. And verses 32 to 35, I'll put up on the screen. All right? Chapter 4. This is amazing. Starting in verse 32. 
Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not, I can't believe it says this, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Did you see that again in verse 34? There was not a needy person among them. Can you imagine functioning in a church where we say, there will never be a needy person among us. Normal. There will never be a needy person among us. And in the past, there have been movements in the church like this. Anybody ever heard of, of the Salvation Army? You're thinking, oh, they're just ringing those bells at Christmas time. In the past, they're preaching the gospel, caring for the poor, and many of them still do the same today. Preaching the gospel, caring for the poor. Not some watered-down gospel. Many of them really preach a legitimate Jesus-only gospel, and they care for the poor. The combo of two. I would encourage you, if you want to see what this kind of looks like, go visit our, our, our church plant in Rogers Park, Agape. You want to see a church that preaches the gospel and cares for the poor in their midst, it's, it's that church. It may not be like what you expect, but they are genuinely caring for one another. And I was thinking about us, and I know many of you make financial sacrifices to care for others. And you give your money away to those who are in need. And the only thing I want to encourage you on this is to make your investment in others who may be more vulnerable or in need, to make the investment personally. I understand that you can go and you can serve in feeding the homeless in a line, and that's important to do, you know, coming through, feed and feed. But get to know someone personally. I know some of you who have developed good relationships with those who are homeless. Good. That's what, and, and, and don't just go, I know it sounds hard to say, but don't just think about just, just going hit and pull out. Hit and pull out. Where you just go and you, you serve quick, you feel good about yourself, and you move away. No, no, develop relationships. That's what I love about those of you who are involved with uh, uh, mentoring children who are vulnerable or involved in safe families or foster care. It's, it's, it's a, you're developing a relationship. With, with kids and their parents. And, and I know there's nothing wrong with the going and serve quick and pull real away. Serve. I know there's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not dogging that too much. I just want you to develop relationships with people where you know their names and you care for them. You, you know what's going on in their lives. You're not just providing for them physically, but you care about them emotionally and spiritually. And lastly, this church was about the spread of the gospel. Verses 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They're meeting, they're worshiping, they're praying, caring for one another, People are getting saved. Gospels being preached. God keeps adding more and more to their, 
midst day and day those who are being saved. I know it may not feel like it, but God is still saving people today. About to hear a testimony of three here are going to be baptized. Who can tell you that? God is still saving people today. And did you know there are people in our country, in our midst, who still never heard the gospel? And as crazy as that may sound to you, just this last week I was talking to someone, never heard the gospel, share the gospel with them. Never heard. People around us are all over the place who've never heard, never considered, never thought through it. Just because they may have grown up in a church doesn't mean they heard the gospel about Jesus' perfect life, death, burial, for real resurrection three days later, turning from your sins, receiving grace and forgiveness, and living with him forever. I've never heard that before. I thought you had to do this, this, and this to get to heaven. No, never heard the message of grace. And one of the ways I believe, and here comes the push here, one of the ways I believe sharing the gospel can be done is through church planning. And as you know, we are sending out our fourth church plant this May in about two months. And perhaps God has stirred you this week to engage those who are far from God. And going with the church plant team may be your next step. We are not just sending Tim and his wife out to plant a church. We're sending him out with a team. And he's taking some people who have gone to church here a long time. And some of them, even their kids, have gone to church here their entire life. They feel stirred to go and share the gospel. And it's, it's, and it's going to be about 10 to 15 of them going. But it's hard for me to believe that we just went through a whole week of revival and God is not going to add one single person to this church plant team that hasn't already committed. That can't be. Who, who, who's out here? So at least, it seems like at least one more person after this week feels stirred to go with this team. I don't know who you are. I'm not going to make you stand up right now. But you know who you are. There's got to be at least one more that feels called to go with this team. Because God has shared us up. We want to be about those who are sharing the gospel and seeing people add it to the people of God. So the next time you read Acts 2, 42 through 47, do not shake your head and say, no way, radical. Normal. Normal. And let's see the balance where we're committed to the word, committed to praying, big prayers, miraculous prayers, committed to fellowship, committed to, to social justice, to caring about what God cares about, committed to sharing with others, and committed to spreading the gospel. Not radical, normal. And may what you may have considered radical, may God work it in your heart as he worked it into the early church. And may we say, God, this is normal. And may we step up and step out and live the biblically normal Christian life. Let's pray. God, you are, are so good on what you have done through us this week. Our bodies may have not mended, our, may, our emotional issues may have not gone, gone away, nor our mental or relational issues, but you have stirred our spirits. You have given us joy in you. You've given us perspective, an eternal perspective.
and you're still working within us. And may we not just see this past week as something just so radical. May we live in the biblically normal Christian life. And Lord, if there's anyone here who is, who is broken, may you revive them, even in the midst of their brokenness. If there's someone in here who doesn't know Jesus, they, they are, they're wondering, and they may even call themselves a seeker, let them know that you are seeking them. You've come to seek and save that which is far from you. And maybe someone here needs to trust you right now. If that's you, trust Christ now to save you from your sins. If you have strayed far from him, turn and put your faith in Christ. Even if you've walked with Jesus for a long time and you have turned away, repent, change your mind, your heart, your actions, and turn to Christ for forgiveness. Lord, may you stir all of us up to live this this biblically normal Christian life, we ask in Christ's name, amen.